I'm so thankful today. I'm so thankful for breath. I'm thankful for life. I'm thankful for family, church family. I'm thankful that you're here today. And you know what? I just want to encourage each and every one of you that's standing in this room today. Um, today, I just have the attitude of, I don't care. <laughs> and in a good way, um, I don't care who is not here, if that makes sense. I don't, I, I'm, obviously, we care about you know our church family, but I just want to encourage you and to challenge you not to be distracted by empty chairs, but that we're going to fill this place with so much joy, so much praise, and so much worship unto our God today that it will feel and seem like this room is full of people. Amen? Because... The Bible says where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of them, right? So I don't care if it's me and one other person, that room is gonna be full of praise. And that room is gonna be full of worship because God inhabits, God fills that place when his people worship him. So let's just come before him today with joy and with gladness, with thankfulness that we can come into this place and that we have the freedom the freedom to worship him, the freedom to stand together in unity in a place, uh, you know, that is a public place and declare our faith unto our God. Amen. So go ahead and everybody stand. We're going to pray today and then we're going to go ahead and get started. God, I thank you. I thank you just for who you are. I thank you for life. I thank you for freedom today that we can come, God, and give you all the glory that you deserve. Lord, I pray that you would fill this place with who you are, that you would fill our praise today, God, with your presence, that each word, God, each, each note played, each word said, every song that comes forth today, God, would be full of you, that would be filled with your spirit, God, that it would not drop to the ground, God, but that it would rise up as incense unto you, being so pleasing unto you today. Lord God, that's why we're here. God, I pray that each person already, God, would feel something inside of them start to change, start to grow, start to move towards you today, Lord God. I pray that you would prepare us from the inside out, God. Start to prepare. Prepare our ears right now. Prepare our hearts, God. Prepare us to give something to you today as well as to receive it, God. Just help us, God, to move step closer to you today, Lord Jesus to block everything else out, God, and to focus on you, to focus on your presence, on your glory today, Lord Jesus, because that's why we're here, God, to give it all to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Let's go ahead and start this morning. So you know the sing it out.
never gives up, it never runs out on me. It's your love. It's your love. Come on, in death. In death, in life, I'm confident it covered by the bow of your great love. I know They asked me to say a little something this morning and uh, just asking God what he wanted me to say. And the thing that just came to me is, uh, I don't know, even this song just about, uh, there's no place, no other place than, than like God's presence. Uh, and a verse more recently that I read that I just think holds so true is, it's uh, Psalm 34 verse 8. 
And it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because at the end of the day, we can sing as much as we want. Pastor John can preach. Um, and you can come and just listen to a sermon, but there's nothing like God's presence. To truly taste and see that it's good. It's like a good meal. You can, you can watch it on the, the food network, but unless you truly taste something, you, you can't really tell someone it's delicious. It's not from experience. So, I don't know. I guess that's just my challenge to you guys. Really dive in for God. Because John can't change your life. Jen can't. I can't. None of us can change your life. Only God can. We want to point you towards him, towards his love, towards his, his goodness. That's all, that's all we can say, man. Go taste and see. Taste and see that he is good. God, as, as we go into this song, and as we continue to sing, go into this service, I ask that you would show us your goodness, that each person in this room would, would taste and see that it would be an experience thing, that it's not about some environment we created, but truly your presence coming down and invading this place, invading our hearts and our lives. And let it not just be a Sunday thing, but let it carry out through next, this entire week, God, and continue to go from there. Thank you so much, God.
Cause I want more of you, God. Cause I want more of you, God. You set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Cause I want more of you, God. So there's no place. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than hearing your love, hearing your love. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than hearing your love, hearing your love. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. Just the voices. 
I believe in you. 
on one more time. I believe in you. Because I believe in you. Let's push it up a little bit. I believe in you, Lord. You're the God of miracles. Oh, I believe. I believe in you, Lord. I believe in you, Lord. You're the God of miracles. The one, the one. Think about these words. The power of the risen one. You're the God who brings the dead to life. You're the God of miracles. You're the God of miracles. You're the God who was and is. The power of the risen one. If you're in this place and today you just need a miracle in your life, and it could be financial, it could be a marriage, it could be your own heart, it could be depression. It could be, you know, just so many things. I, I believe there's many of us who deal with such a weight on our back and we, we think that we can handle it, we can handle it, but it has come to a head and you're like, you know what, I can't handle it. I need God to do something. I need God to intervene in this moment. I, I need you, I need to speak in faith. You are the God of miracles, God. You have raised the dead. You are the power of the risen one. And we say all these things, but at this point, we got to make it happen. We got to pray. If you're in this place and you just need a miracle in your life, you need God to move in your life, I just want you to raise your hand so someone can just put their hand on your shoulder. Yeah. And if you see someone with a raised hand, I want us to move. Just move. Just move. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, there's many hands in this place raised. And it's not, Lord God, I pray, Lord, that we move by faith, God. Let us not just sit here and say, Lord God, it's just, uh, you know, it's too bad that that is going on. And, and I feel bad for them. It's, I pray we move in faith, Lord God, as a Christian, Lord God, as a family, as Hill City Church, that we move in faith. And we want to push in with them. We want to faith with them, Lord God. I pray for every hand that is raised right now, Lord God, that there is a belief, Lord God, that, God, you can make things happen right now in the name of Jesus, that you can make life change happen. You can bring marital, Lord God, relief, that you can bring the, the love that we felt that we have lost is not lost. It is being redeemed, Lord God, as we walk towards you, God. And our, our body, Lord God, we feel like, Lord, things are falling apart. We are hurting, Lord God, and we need a healing on our body, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus for healing, Lord God, but we believe in God of healing. We believe a God of miracles. That's why we come here, God. We're not just serving just empty nothing, Lord God. We're serving by faith a God of miracles, Lord God. We believe in you, God. We believe in you. And some of us, we need a healing because we have not forgiven. We have now released and we have carried a burden. We have carried unforgiveness and resentment and anger and sadness and depression, Lord God. And we got to give it to God and say, I believe in you, God. You need to do a miracle in my life, God. 
This unforgiveness is killing me, Lord God. And it's not even, Lord, it wasn't my fault, but I've been carrying this poison, Lord God. I believe in you, God. Do a miracle today. Do a miracle today. As every hand that was raised, Lord God, that is dealing, Lord God, it is serious. It's serious. I pray we don't take it lightly, Lord God. People dealing with deep, Lord God, with divorce, Lord God, with depression, Lord God. Dealing, Lord, financially, Lord God. And we might not put ourselves in that situation, Lord God, but I pray right now we can push in and believe for them, Lord God. We believe in a God of miracles. God of miracles. One last time, Jen, I believe in you. We gotta say it before we believe it. come back, Lord, and have testimony of what you are doing. They'd have stories of how life has been changed, Lord God. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you, guys. You guys can be seated. Man, give God praise. Let's start with some worship. Yeah, lift up your voice. Sometimes we got to shout. We shout at our kids. We got to shout for God sometimes. Talk amongst yourselves for one moment. It's like prepare. Man, get to know someone right next to you. Tell them hello. Did you know the War Golden State Warriors are going to win the finals? Whatever you need to tell them, right? Yeah. No, not Cavs in six. Golden State in four. Right? Uh, but good morning. Glad that you guys are here. And uh, as the ushers prepare, I'm just, uh, you know, it's going to be a good week. It's a good week. And um, just, just good, man. Sometimes, you guys, we have to change our own minds of how we're feeling. We cannot be directed by emotion alone. We, be, we worship God in spirit and in truth. And what that means, man, is it, just like any marital relationship or even at work. Sometimes you got to work in just, you can't. You don't always feel it at work. How many of you guys know that, right? When you're working, you're like, I'm not, I'm not feeling it, so I'm not going to work, right? Who says that? You can't do that. You'll get fired. In marriage, I'm not feeling it, so I'm not going to be loving or I'm not going to serve my wife or my husband. You can't do that unless you want a bad marriage, right? And in worshiping Christ, it's in the same way. Sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. But we enter in and we worship God in truth sometimes. We stand on truth when we don't feel it. We stand on truth when we don't have it in us. We gotta, we gotta, we, we express sometimes when we don't feel. And that's what worship is many times. And, and in the Bible, it's, you see, when you read the book of Psalms, David celebrating God in his most, in his, he like complains for like half a chapter. Then he says, God, I'm sorry, I'm complaining. 
like, I still trust in you, I believe in you, and we're going to get through this. And I love, I love that expression in, in all of Psalms, is because that's how life is. You're not always happy unless you're, you're or taking meds all the time, you know? Unless you're doing something else, you know? You're not, that's life, man. If you're not always happy, guess what? Welcome, welcome, that's everyone. If you're not always feeling it, welcome. That's your, your, that's everyone. And sometimes we got to tell ourselves, we got to move past our emotions and mature up in our worship and our guidance with God and say, God, I believe in you. When I'm not feeling, I believe in you. And I can believe for their miracle. I can believe that you're going to move today. And that's, I, I want us to come into this place saying, God, I have something for you. Not always, God, give me something. God, I have something for you if I feel it or not. Uh, glad you're here. My name is John. If this is your first time at Hill City, thank you for being here at this time. The guys are going to come forward as we give. If, the, if you're brand new here, please don't give. Uh, what we do here, the people who give are people who are committed to Hill City, and they, they, want, they believe that this place is, is making a difference in their children's lives, their family, and their lives, and that uh, we're doing something for the kingdom of God, and we're just grateful that you're here. Uh, but we're trusting in God. We're going to pray and get this uh, service going. But let's pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you. God, we love you so much. Because you first loved us. Our love is not an expression of how, what I did, Lord. It is an expression because of what you have done on the cross, what you are doing, and what you will continually do, God. I pray that today the life change would happen. Today that people would encounter you, Lord God people would encounter you today. That is our goal today. And that people would glorify you, would make you bigger when they leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You guys can pass those out. Um, at this time, we're going to play a little video for you uh, for a Memorial Day. And I just want you guys to, in, in our uh, solemn hearts, you know, just think about those who have passed, who has given their lives. So please watch this with us. Sometime back, I received, in the name of our country, the bodies of four Marines who had died while on active duty. I said then that there is a special sadness that accompanies the death of a serviceman, for we're never quite good enough to them. Not really, we can't be, because what they gave us is beyond our powers to repay. So when a serviceman dies, it's a tear in the fabric, a break in the hole, and all we can do is remember. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them and what they did and why they had to be brave for us.
At this time, I just want to take just a moment of silence and just gratitude. Just, just take a moment. We are grateful. We're grateful. We're thankful. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all those families who are thinking of their children, their husbands, their wives, Lord God those who have gone before serving their country, serving their families, Lord God, with their lives. We honor them today. We pray for those who they've left behind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Woo! Man. Where do you go from there, right? When I think about uh, Memorial Day, it always uh, uh, brings a memory of my grandfather who never returned from war, you know. And I, I think about my mom growing up without a father. And uh, I think about those who have given everything. So it, it is a real, it's real. And, and, and I, I know it's real in many of your lives. And, you know, I, I think of Gino, I think of your brother who's still in the service and, and you never know where he's going and, you think about him during those times and many of the people that you guys know. And so I, I, we, we think of them. Today, I'm, I'm glad you guys are here on the, at Hill City Church, at Hill City Church. And every week, my goal and our goal is for us to encounter Jesus and then to make disciples, which means for people to know Jesus and then to make him known. That is, that is my goal. That is our goal. We believe here that the message has to leave this place. The love has to leave this place. The joy has to leave this place. It does. It, it can't just sit here. The service has to leave this place. It can't just be a serving here, and then we just do whatever we want. People have to meet Jesus, and we're going through this message series called Meet Jesus, but they meet Jesus through us. We are very significant in people meeting Jesus. And so we've been going through the book of Mark for 28, this, we're on the 28th time of the book of, uh, book of Mark, and we're learning or relearning who Jesus is, what he was like, his great mission, his heart, and then struggling uh, and having the struggle and the joy of following him through our everyday life. And my hope and my challenge to us every week and, and is that, that, that your way of life, your thinking, your compassion, your comforts, and, 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 and the things that move you and me, that we, it, would, it would turn to be more like Christ. The things that matter to him would matter to us. 
And, and it has to move from the mind to the heart to the hands and feet. It has to. Faith has to move all the way out. It starts here, then it has to move all the way out into our life, into our hands, into the things that we are in every day, into our neighborhoods, right? You have to, man, it, 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 meeting Jesus has to play out all the way into our neighborhoods. It doesn't stop here in this family. It has to move out to your neighbor. I don't know if you can help them with lawn work. I need help, right? Uh, or dinners or anything you need to, or just listening. How many people, it's just a blessing to have someone listen, right? Just to be heard, just to be known, to help those who are hurting, the fatherless, the refugee, the, your crazy coworker, right? They need, they need you. Yeah, I know, they're crazy. And if you don't have a crazy coworker, it might be you, right? And so I was thinking, that's normal Christianity. It's more than service or, or posting something nice about Jesus on Facebook. It's obedience. It's forgiveness. It's reconciliation. It has to be. When it's hard, it's in the struggle. It's in your homes. It's at work. And it has to. And I plead with you, let it move past you. And it's going to feel weird. And gonna's not even a word. And I said it, right? It's going to feel weird. It's, it, it's, I'm going to use gonna, all right? It's gonna be, it's, gonna, it's, it's not normal for us because we normally, we are very focused on ourselves. And Jesus, and we will read in Mark chapter 10, right, that he, he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. That was his purpose. That was his mission. And then if that was his mission, how can we sit back and say, that's a good mission for you, but that's not my mission. If we, if we feel that way, then we don't get it yet. We don't get it yet. And so we're going into that. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 10. All right? And we love, we love this because uh, it, all throughout Mark, we're learning about Jesus. And, and Jesus, if we would just let him into our lives, will change your life and fill it with struggle. Yeah, that's right. He will. If Jesus comes into your life, he will make, he will bring some struggles into your life because he will challenge us to not be comfortable. But then if he challenges us to not be comfortable and we take him up on it, then he will fill it with joy, right? Then he will fill it with people, when he fills it with people, you're gonna, you, it's going to fill your life a little bit with suffering. That's how it goes. If you don't want to suffer, have no one in your life, right? But then there's no joy either. People are the spice of life, and, and, uh, and I, I love it. I hope that we can embrace that. People need you, and you need people. And if you're too far away from people for too long, you get weird. Literally, you get weird. So today, the message is called Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. Is Jesus Lord and Savior literally of your life? Is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? Or is that just church stuff and spiritual, like, linguistics, right? Listen, we can sing about Jesus as Lord and Savior, but what does that really mean to you today? What does Lord and Savior mean to you today? How would you define that personally in your life? What does it mean for Jesus to be Lord and Savior of life today? Think about that for a moment. What does that mean? How does that play out? Saying Jesus is Lord doesn't make him Lord. Singing Jesus is my Savior doesn't make him your Savior. So today I want to break down this thought through the book of Mark, and, and, and we're going to go right into this. 
And so this is the big thought. What does it mean for Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life? What does that mean? Mark 10, I'm going to start from verse 32, and it says, And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. So they have to go up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was a city on a hill just giving you a landscape. And they're, they're going up on this road and, and they're far out and, um, and they're going up to Jerusalem right now. And, and then it says, and they were amazed and those who followed were afraid. Many of them got it and many of them did not get it yet. And they were taking the 12 again and he began to tell them what was to happen to him. So Jesus, many times in the Gospel of Mark, tells these guys, these 12 guys, hey, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. But these guys don't get it. So he says to them, they're uh, saying, see, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will, be con they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. So he's saying that they will be judged by the chief priests and then delivered over to Gentiles where the Romans, all right? And then they will mock him, spit on him. They will flog him, which means beat him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. And there's nothing more central in the message or in the book of Mark than this moment. Jesus headed to the cross, right? More than, it's bigger than the healings and bigger than miracles. It's bigger than the wisdom that we learn. And the cross, his death, and his resurrection is the main thing. That was his mission. Yet the disciples still don't get it yet. And I feel like that's uh, with us. Many times we read the Bible and, and we, we hear about the cross. We hear about the mission. But many times we don't get it yet. We, I, I think the, the disciples in the Bible really exemplify how we feel many times in life. We get caught up in so many other things that what Jesus tells us over and over. How many times has God told us the same thing over and over again? And we're like, and then we uh, uh, do what um, my son does. Anytime I tell him to do something, he tries to divert my attention. Any, any kids? You guys have kids who do that? They're so smart. They're so good at it. You're like, do this, this, and this. And then they immediately, they figure out a way to divert your attention. And sometimes they get me. I'm like, didn't I tell, oh man, an hour ago I told you to clean your room. How am I cleaning your room right now? How did you do this? You are a magician, right? And, and, uh, and this is what's going on right here. The, the, Jesus is telling them this serious, serious moment. And that he's going to be beaten and killed and he's telling them about the cross. But the disciples, they don't get it. Because sometimes you don't get it until you get it. Right? Sometimes you don't get it until you get it. No matter how many times they're told, they won't get it. And how true is that for us today? We might know about Jesus, but we don't totally get it yet until we get it. Until we trust Jesus. Even when we don't completely get it, today you might not understand why I ask you to worship or serve or give or confess or repent or walk in community. And you won't get it until you step into it. Until you actually walk in community, you're like, that's why John has been like pleading with me. Like, get together with people. John has been pleading with me. Go to a group. Man, take Jesus seriously. Take the Great Commission seriously. Because we don't get it until we get it, right? It's like telling someone about bungee jumping. Anyone have bungee jumped? Right? Anyone? Just, just me? Yeah. It's like strapping like a rope around your leg. You're like, this seems stupid. And then, and then, and it took me like four minutes to actually jump because I was like, this is 70 feet, right? So you climb up and you, and every story you're like, this is a good decision. This is going to be fun. And then you're like hitting the, like the fifth story. You're like, this is getting dumb, 
This is going to be dumb. And then they're, they're wrapping something around your leg. You're like, this is stupid, right? But then you, you finally jump, and they, it's exhilarating. It's amazing, and you're bouncing up and down. I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing, right? You, you jump off, like, a seven-story building, and then you bounce around, and then you land, and you're like, man, that was nuts. It was just for a moment. You were just soaring, right? And uh, anyone skydived? Right here. Two, three, right, four, five. Yeah. Bunch of you skydive, right? It's, it's this, this thing where you have to, there has to be a moment where you, there, your first leap is the worst, right? It's like that moment you're like, I remember doing that. Like, all right, I'm ready. All right, well, I'm almost ready. Just give me a moment. And, and, but it, the first leap is the worst. But once you leap, it's an experience. And to tell someone the experience, they're like, oh, that's cool. Like, so you jumped and bounced around. It doesn't sound, you're like, no, you don't get it yet. I, I did jump and bounce around, but it was awesome. They're like, okay, that's cool. And so they won't get it until you experience it. And I, and I believe in Christ, it's the same thing. Making Jesus Lord and Savior, until you do it, you won't understand the fullness of why I'm asking you. And so this next part of the passage in the book of Mark is telling two different stories, but it's about Lordship and, and Savior, right? And so we're going to start with number one, Lord. Lord. And, and, and that's point number one, and we're going to go right into it. What does it mean for Jesus to be Lord of my life and your life? What does it mean, Lord or Master? What, what does that mean? So Mark 10, 35, I'm going to read. James and John were, Peter, James, and John were the closest to Jesus, and they didn't get it, right? So you know, here's Jesus going to the cross, and James and John, the son of Zebedee, comes up to Jesus and says, Teacher, we want you to do something for us, whatever we ask. This, I mean, what kind of manipulative statement is this? Have you ever, like, gone up to someone who's like, you have to say yes before I ask this, right? Because I know you're going to say no, right? So you, it's one of those weird questions. It's like when your kids, when my, my, my Sienna tells me this, and Micah, they're like, you have to say yes before I ask you. And, like, that is a definite no, right? Like, you should ask your mother. She might go for it. But I'm not going for this. You're, you're trying to get me, right? You're trying to manipulate me. And then he says to them, and Jesus is graceful. Man, he's full of grace. He's like, all right, tell me what, what, what you're going to ask. What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit at your right hand and one at your left hand in your glory. So they are thinking, these guys are looking at Jesus as a political figure, that, one, that he is on his way to Jerusalem to take office and overthrow the Roman government. And once he overthrows the Roman government, he says, I want to be your vice president, and, and, and John's going to be, uh, he's going to be your speaker of the house. Is that going to be okay? And Jesus is like, gosh, I don't know how many times I'm telling you, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die, right? And this is what's going on. They still don't get it. And while Jesus is headed to the cross, think about this. This is his most stressful moment, and these knuckleheads are asking them crazy questions. And then Jesus doesn't, he says to them, he's like, you are so dumb. No, he doesn't say that. Full of grace, he says, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized? And no, number one, no. Number two, they have no idea what's going on because the baptism in the cup is a metaphor for the cross and its suffering. And he's saying, you are, he's going to drink in God's wrath, right? 
being immersed into suffering to pay the penalty of sin and the sins of the world. But these guys, verse 39, it says, look what they say to Jesus. We're able. We can do it, Jesus. And he's like, oh, man. And then he's, it, sometimes we ask God things, and then we say, we could do this, Jesus, knowing that we can't do it, Right? Sometimes we, say, we tell God we're going to do some stuff knowing that we can't do it. And this is what's going on. And Jesus says to them, you will drink the cup that I drink, and you will be baptized. I am baptized with you, will be baptized with. He's saying, you will die one day. You will suffer. But James and John, he, they casually respond, we're able. We can do it, right? Because they don't fully understand the cross. They don't fully understand, not that day. And even today, when we talk about the cross and grace, and God's salvation and lordship, we don't fully get it. Not the fullness of it. Not the big picture. And that's why we got to pray, God, give us a bigger view of you. Jesus, give us a better view of the cross. Give us an understanding, a deeper understanding of the sacrifice that has taken place. Because it's not simple. For some of you, when we think about Memorial Day, it hits home so deep, right? Because you get it. For others, it's just a day to picnic and and, 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 and it's not, it, you don't think about the cost, right? It's different. Some of you guys have been in the military, and you understand, or your family has been affected by military death, and you understand it's deep in you. And others are like, all right, cool, we're going to celebrate. It's Memorial Day. And, 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 and so it's different. Summer's starting, right? The pool's open on Memorial Day. Sometimes that's the first thought we get. And they don't get it yet. They don't get it yet. And Jesus is telling them, you don't understand the cost. And sometimes we've got to meditate on the cost we got to meditate on the lordship. we got to meditate on the obedience and stand in it until we get it. See, listen, making Jesus Lord of our lives means he has the power to correct us. And we don't like that already. He has the power to correct us. It means that he has the power to speak boldly into our lives, disciple us. And this is a good one. He has the power to tell us no. Can't tell me no. I'm a grown adult. Like, we don't like no. We don't like no. You can't tell me no. We tell our kids no all the time. Wives tell their husband no. Husband tell their wives no. But for James and John, Jesus told them no, and, 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 and they're surprised. And as you follow Jesus, you'll be surprised how much he tells you no. Right? You're like, oh, I thought he always says yes. No, he says no constantly. Right? He says no. And it's verse 43. It says, but it shall not be among you. He's saying no. Whoever will be the greatest, you're talking about greatness. Whoever wants to be great must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to all. And James and John are like, I don't like that. And then verse 45, the main verse, for even the Son of Man, he's saying, even I myself came not to be served. And Son of Man is a, is a, is a, um, is a phrase found in Isaiah, which means the Messiah did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. Like, take that in. Drink that in for a moment. We have a God who has come to serve us. We have a God who came to die for us. And oftentimes our desire from God is the exact opposite. We don't want, we don't want to serve. We want to be served. And you don't need to say it. You, we, you, can understand, you can tell by the way we live our lives. When, when sacrifice or when hard times come or when you got to do something you don't want to do, you're like, uh, I don't feel like it. Guess what? Neither does anyone else, right? But there's some people with a servant's heart that's saying, you know what? I'm going to go for it. You can tell it in moms. Moms are crazy. 
man, my wife, she don't want to do a lot of the things for the kids, but she's out there doing it. I'm like, you're crazy. I would never do that, <laughs> right? And moms are just, they go the distance, right? They make the, the food extra special. I just make peanut butter and jelly, and they're like, that's not enough peanut butter. I'm like, tough. There's people, there's kids in the Congo. They don't have peanut butter. Stop complaining. Go eat your peanut butter, right? And, and But moms, the man, they go the distance. They make it, they even chop the edges off. I'm like, Candace, are you serious? You're chopping the edges off? I'm like, poor people don't chop edges off. We eat the whole thing, right? <laughs> That's what I tell her. Sorry, we grew up poor, all right? But I was, just, I was just thinking, mom goes the extra mile. They're not like dad. Dad can be rough around the edges. Mom is, are, are excellent in that way. But Jesus, he's like, man, I did not come to be served but to serve. That statement should rattle the way we think about God. It should really change the way we think about God, and that should change the way we think about us. Because a lot of times, the reason we get mad at life, the reason we can't handle things, the reason that we're upset or where we handle unforgiveness is because we believe we're here to be served before we serve. You got to do something for me before I do something for you. And Jesus says, no, that's not how it goes. I'm going to serve you before you will ever serve me. I'm going to love you before you ever love me. I'm going to go after you before you ever go after me. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life away. That's beautiful. And that's when our heart, when we have to serve, that's when our heart is revealed, right? That's when lordship is revealed. Do I believe him or do I rely on me? Is he Lord or am I Lord? Do I know best or does Jesus know best? Because talk is cheap. Do I trust him or not? I was just thinking about this, uh, this one moment that, uh, I, that my daughter says, I know better than you, Dad. We were at Universal Studios and we were going, uh, we were, uh, we were going through and Sianna says to me, and we were right by the Walking Dead attraction, right? And, I'm, and Sianna's like, I think I'm old enough to go through this. I, I think I get it. Like, I'm not going to be scared. I know th they're fake dad, and we're going to walk through this. And I'm thinking to myself, there is no way. <laughs> there is no way. You are going to cry at night for a month and torture Candace and I and try to sleep on our bed, right? And, and so I'm like, there is no way. My daughter, she's like, Dad, I, I, I think I'm ready. I'm not going to be scared. I can do it. But as her father who loves her and knows her, no matter how much she asked or whined or begged or even would have cried, my sternness in telling her no is not because I hate her or want to take her out of fun. My sternness for her is because I know her and I love her. My no is my love. My no is my love. And, 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 and think about that for a moment. It's my discipline for my children is my affection for them. And how much more does Jesus love us? His no and his corrections is his love. And that comes through scripture, comes through the Holy Spirit, and it can come through people and the church, right? But you can, you, and, and, and you can trust him. You can trust in Proverbs 3, 11 to 12, and in Hebrew, it says the same thing. It says, my children, do not reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Because God delights in you, he tells you no. Tells us no. Family, when God is correcting you, let him. Stop fighting God when he's correcting you. You're going to lose, right? You're going to lose in this. Trust him. Struggle through it with him. Number two, he is Savior. 
He is Savior. He's not only Lord and He corrects us, but He is Savior. He cares for us. Mark 10, 46 to 52. This is a story about a blind man, right? And they came to Jericho. Jericho, if you look on a map, is super close to Jerusalem. It is right outside. I bet it's, not, I bet it's about a mile away from Jerusalem is Jericho. And they came to Jericho, and so they're very close. And his disciples and a very big crowd, crowd was there. And uh, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And that statement, Jesus, son of David, which was, a, a statement of messiahship because the messiah was going through the line of david that's what's going on in, in, in hebrew history so he's saying jesus the messiah have mercy on me he can see jesus as god right here in this m- moment and the people start rebuking him and tell him to be silent but he cried all the more son of david have mercy on me and jesus stopped i love that statement he stops and calls him and the blind man saying to him take heart get up he's calling you and he threw off his cloak, and he sprang up, and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, teacher, recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This guy, historically, they know that he followed Jesus like he was at the cross of Jesus, this man, this Bartimaeus. It's crazy. And Jesus is almost at Jerusalem. He's almost at the cross at the most difficult time. Man, at any time, Jesus could have said, I don't have time for this, right? This is like the worst moment. This is a moment that you'd say, Jesus, you can think about yourself for this moment. But even in this moment, Jesus, in the middle of all this, in the middle of the cross, in the middle of suffering, he didn't focus on himself. He stops everything. I love that, when it was not convenient. God will stop everything in our lives here and there when it's most inconvenient for you. But I want us to hear the voice of God in those moments. Sometimes you'll see someone broken down on the other side of the road, and you'll tell yourself, if, I, if they were broken down on this side, I would have helped them. Anyone do, have ever done that? But they're on the other side. Someone else can help you, right? We, God will put you in places when it's most inconvenient and see where your heart lies. Because you know what? It's, in, it's not in our convenience that God is our Lord and Savior. It is in, in our inconvenience, Jesus stops. In the middle of the cross, Jesus stops. In his hardship, he stops. And we can learn something from this, giving Bartimaeus his full attention. He loved this man when he didn't need to, when he was in the middle of something big. We have a Savior that loves us and stops for us when no one else will. And I want to say these words, and they mean so much to me, and sometimes I say it to myself, you are loved. I don't know if you've been told this week that, but you are loved. You don't stand alone. You are loved. You are not alone. Somebody needs to hear that today. You are loved. You don't stand alone. Take one step towards Jesus. Take one step and you will be surprised how much he loves you and cares for you. One step, no matter how you feel, how desperate you are, how broken you are, how sinful you are, nothing can separate you from the love of God. He is a Savior that stops in the middle of chaos for someone like Bartimaeus where everyone discarded. You are loved. You are loved. He delights in you. Jesus cares for you. So today, 
Is Jesus Lord and Savior today? Both and, not one or the other. To follow Jesus, he must be both Lord and Savior, grace and truth, care and correction, kindness and disciplinarian, mercy and righteousness, joy and suffering. But the truth is, most of us know him primarily as one or the other. We lean one way way more than we lean the other, right? Who in here leans Jesus as Jesus more as Savior, right? We see Jesus primarily as Savior. Anyone? Yeah? I think many, many of us, right? We think, when we think of Jesus, we think of love, grace. We think of, like, kindness, gentleness, right? And, and, and who in here sees, uh, leans more Jesus as Lord? We see him as obedience, sacrifice, justice, righteousness, holiness. Anyone? Right? Yeah. It's a mix. It's a mixed group. And, and, and we're different. We, we, because of our personalities, because of how we've grown up, we lean one way or the other. And, and this is what's going, and this is so true for us. For those who see Jesus primarily as, uh, as Lord, I want to say this. Yes, he corrects us and teaches us and rebukes you. But for you, you are rarely amazed at the love of God. For those who see Jesus primarily as Lord, you will rarely find joy in Christ, right? It's hard. And Jesus, you think that God is more frustrated and disgusted by your sin than in love with you. When, and when we lean too much that way. He want, see, you want to serve and pray more, but naturally your prayer life is more like work. And scripture is more like a checklist. And you serve out of obligation. Sharing Jesus as good news seems like an impossibility because it's not good news to you. It's a weight. So how can it be good news to someone else? You need a savior. One that loves you and cares for you, who pursues you when, you when you wanted nothing to do with him, who has given up everything for you, you need to understand God in that way, a Savior that cares for you. And for those who see Jesus primarily as Savior, you, you, you get that he loves you and serves you, but rarely do you actually submit to him, his correction, what the Bible says. We think he's good with whatever you want to do, right? And what I want to do. He'd love for us to submit and obey and get involved. But it's all grace, baby. It's all grace, right? You don't need to worry about it. Prayer and service is optional. Even though Jesus came to serve and not to be served, the Bible becomes just a manual for you to have a better life instead of to follow Jesus. That's huge, guys. In, in the in, in American church, and I, I'm, 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 it's kind of a broad spectrum, but a lot of times we think the Bible is just for us to have a better life. That's the purpose of the Bible. I read the Bible so I can have a better life. That's wrong. We read, we follow the Bible, and we follow Jesus for more of Jesus, right? We worship Jesus for more of Jesus. And, and, and it's such a slight miss that we can miss, but it can miss the whole thing. We have grown up. Some of us follow Jesus so you can have a better life. Follow Jesus so you can be a good kid. No, we follow Jesus to follow Jesus because he's God. Not because he's, he's going to give you a better life, which I believe he will, but it, that's not the point. The point is Jesus himself. He is the treasure in the field that we will give up everything for. That's a very different view of God. See, you need to be reminded that he's Lord. Because if prayer and service is optional, even though Jesus came to serve, 
and, and Jesus is nice to people, then that's evangelism, just being nice to people. You need to be reminded he's Lord, that he demands obedience, that he will correct you, and he will take you into the storms to form you. Jesus is Lord, not just a good idea to raise our kids on, not just good morality. And lastly, this one's a huge one. I wonder if we are experiencing him at all. Some of us see him primarily as Lord. Some of us see him primarily as Savior. Some of us, we have not experienced God in a long time or at all. Have you experienced Jesus in the past week as Lord or Savior? Have you been just like overwhelmed by his love for us? If you can't remember or if we have been living in the past faith, past moments, I would say, please, check your heart because it is not in the right place. That is correction that Jesus would tell us. We cannot live in our past walk with God and have no walk with God now. Jesus, if he's in the background of our lives taking a back seat and we are missing out on the life that he has promised us, the life that he is when we walk with him. If you miss out on knowing him as Lord and Savior, you miss out on everything. You could go to church, go to group, and even serve, but if you don't get to know Jesus, you miss out on everything. See, in this, in this, in this passage of Mark 10, we see that uh, Bartimaeus, he's blind, but we see that James and John, someone so close to Jesus, is also absolutely blind. James and John can physically see, but they are blind to what Jesus is doing. Bartimaeus is physically blind, but he, is, he can see that Jesus is the Messiah headed to the cross. And in their own ways, man, where are we? Are we blind? And we need to ask God to open our hearts and open our eyes. And I don't know where we stand today, but I want to ask, will you trust him? As Lord, will you trust him as Savior? Let's stand. Ooh, just bow your heads just for a moment and ask, is Jesus Lord of your life? What would you answer there? Is Jesus Savior of your life? How would we answer that? Heavenly Father, speak to us today, God. I don't know where many people stand today, but I believe you're speaking the hearts and let us not negate the Holy Spirit when you're speaking to us. I believe the Spirit of God is bringing conflict into our hearts, God, and that's a good thing. When we no longer feel conviction in the Spirit of God, then we better get right with God. Heavenly Father, be with us today. I pray for this family that you love, your children that you love today. And I pray if there's repentance, if there's sin in our lives that we need to get right with, we get right. Because we trust you more than we trust our emotions or what we're doing. If, we are, if there's things going on that we need to get rid of and we need to confess, I pray that we go to someone and confess. Who cares what you look like? you got to kill the sin before it kills you. I pray in the name of Jesus, open our blind eyes to see you clearer. Open our blind eyes to see the cross near, Lord God, and open our hearts to see people in their need, Lord God. And that's what it means to follow you. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for coming.
get to know one another. And uh, just so glad that you guys are here. God bless you guys.